What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks. And as far as my Twitter timeline tells me, it is a uh, special anniversary today. I was with Frank a couple of days ago. We talked about the anniversary of the the real value. But now, uh, today marks one year since the Bucks won a historic NBA championship. Giannis dropped 50, all that stuff. I can't believe it's been a year. I can't figure out whether it's been quick or it's been long. But we're going to talk about it today because that's what everyone's talking about I don't know if I've spoken with Camille about what she was up to. I was in Australia, but Camille is actually right in the thick of it. So we're going to go back to last year's uh, playoffs. And then I've got some other thoughts that we'll get to later on in the show. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Monday to Friday, and also find my other stuff over at ESPN. Camille is alongside me. Camille Davis says she is at least once a week. Uh, when I can drag her away from the Technical Foul podcast, which you can also hear her lovely voice. And by the way, I think they're still in off-season at the Technical Foul podcast. But uh, as I've said, we don't have an off-season at Locked On Bucks. And it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we continue to roll through. By the way, I think we're getting close to 1,400 episodes or something silly like that. So we do a lot of podcasts. We do a lot of talking about the Bucks, uh, And we thank you all for making Locked on Bucks your first listen or your first watch uh, of every day. And today's a pretty exciting day for Bucks fans, Camille. And before we get to this anniversary, though, you've got a Bucks jersey on there. Yes. And this was a Bucks jersey that didn't last too long. So for those listening, it's the, I don't know how you describe this. Like, like it, one of the first Cream City that's right. Giannis jerseys is the one that looks like our black jersey, but it's in cream. You like that? What do you think about that? I, I loved this jersey when it came out. Um, I know there are people who are more partial to the other Cream City jersey that actually had the Cream City script on it. Um, but the first time I saw this one, I was like, I need a cream Bucks jersey. So I jumped on opportunity to grab this one. I mean, I understand why, and I'm I'm an adult, so I didn't find it at all amusing, uh, Camille, because I am very mature. There's no doubt about that. But I, I will never forget when they wore the uh, the Cream City jerseys and played uh, Sack Town, and there was many Twitter Twitter jokes that night. So maybe the Bucks thought that they didn't want to run with that on the front of the jersey. Do you think they <laughs> do you think they're bothered by the Twitter jokes? <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure if they're bothered by it, but I'm sure they look to it for at least some feedback on how things are being perceived. All right. All right. And uh, by the way, have we? Uh, am I making this up? And people know I don't really care about jerseys. I kind of, I like most of them, except I will say the jerseys that Cleveland put out last week that just look like practice summer league jerseys yeah. are absolutely ridiculous. Like, can we just put in the bare minimum effort, people that are coming up with jerseys for the Cavs? We're not asking for much, the bare minimum. But it, uh, do the Bucks have purple jerseys next year? Am I just making that up? Kane, if the Bucks have purple jerseys next year, Twitter will explode. Bucks Twitter will completely lose it. I will be first in line trying to buy that purple jersey. I mean, they kind of gave us a little hint this past season with the white, with the purple accents um, that combined right. all the different Bucks jerseys over the years. But I have not seen a solid purple jersey. But if they get nail that design, I'm I'm there. And I'm not. Let me be very clear. 
I'm wearing a jersey now because it's the anniversary of the championship. Mm. Also, it's been hot. <laughs> um, I tend to wear jerseys like to festivals and games if I'm going. Normally with like a hoodie underneath, but again, it's been it's been pretty toasty here in Milwaukee. So I figured why not just bust out the Giannis jersey uh, on the one year anniversary of one of the most dominant finals performances I have ever seen. It got below zero in Melbourne this morning, which is absolutely unheard of. It's freezing out there when I was trying to just simply go about my business and get a morning coffee. But anyway, one year anniversary. And by the way, people that are watching on YouTube, you can see in the background, I got this like little art. It's Giannis dunking over Chris Paul, which was two days ago, the anniversary. This was the anniversary of game six, though, a day that nobody thought was ever going to happen in our lifetimes. Camille, there's no chance in hell we thought that this was going to happen. They beat the Suns 105 to 98. Uh, I've discussed it with Frank a little bit. We obviously did all the post-game pods together. Uh, what do you think of? Where were you, actually? I was watching from home. I watched all of the finals from home. Um, I said before, like, I'm a Packers fan, so I'm, I'm used to playoff, you know, games. I'm used to the, the feeling of being nervous and anticipating what was going to happen next. And I had to say, I was like, I've never been as stressed watching – a game as I was watching the Bucks through their run. It was far more stressful for me than watching any Packers playoff game. And I've hidden behind my couch while watching Packer playoff games before because I could not take the pressure to see if Mason Crosby was going to knock in the game winning field goal or whatever the case may hmm. be. But something about watching this team uh, finally try to climb there, seeing them in the finals, um, I needed to be at home so I could kind of like pace around, talk to the TV hear everything, check my Twitter, have my charger, and be ready and be good to go. Um, so when game six came around, I remember going to work. I worked downtown near the arena, and I had all my Bucks gear on. And I remember remarking, like, I cannot recall seeing this much Bucks gear in the city. Like, um, I just started thinking about my Bucks fandom and those days at the Bradley Center where you can sit lower level for 20 bucks and – how those years really cultivated like my Bucks fandom. Like I became a super fan during the red and green years and remember going to bars and they have high school hockey games on, but not mm. the Bucks games. And I'm going to the bartender like, Hey, could you, could you turn the Bucks on? And I'm getting judged. And I was having all these emotions of thinking back to like where we were when, you know, we had Giannis rookie year 2013 when Chris just got here from uh, Detroit as kind of like a throwaway, so to speak in that Brandon Knight trade. Um, so I was thinking about all these things, like as the, as I realized we're about to win the finals and I was just like an emotional mess. I was going between tears of joy to, I can't believe this is happening to cheering real loud, to screaming, to just all over the place. It was, I've never felt so many emotions. I've never had my phone so busy before <laughs> I, people who I haven't heard from in years were, were texting me and, and trying to call to say like, your bucks actually did it. It's like, yeah, Milwaukee, Milwaukee pulled it out. And the crowd was amazing. Like chills throughout the game, seeing the crowd outside the deer district. It was, it was nuts. So after they won the championship and they got to watch some of the post game interviews, me and my husband and Tim from technical file, we all got together and, went downtown. We had to see where the people were at. So we went downtown and I've never heard the experience that I heard after the championship. It was nothing but horns honking, just people screaming like, yeah, cheering and horns honking. And just, it was, it was, it was mayhem, but in the best way possible. 
So you referenced the post-game podcast that, that you guys did, and we certainly did them here. And Frank said the other day that he sort of went back and listened to a few of them from the playoffs. You mentioned to me just before that you'd been going back and listening to some of your podcasts as well. So I think throughout, and you can even go further back, there was going two down against Brooklyn and me and Frank were discussing, well, here we are again. What do you actually do from this point in time? Are you going to win four out of five? Probably not. Then there was Atlanta in the conference finals. Giannis goes down with a knee and, it, and, it, and the conversation was literally like, what happens if Giannis doesn't play at all next season? Then what are we looking at for the franchise in terms of what's going to happen uh, moving forward, the age demographic of some of these guys? And then you win game five and it's like, well, this is incredibly exciting, but game six at home is kind of game seven. Because you already had the one game where you defied the odds and you won on the road. You've already come back from 2-0. You can't possibly go back to Phoenix. Otherwise, you're in serious, serious Mm -hmm. trouble. And I still believe that. I think if you had to go home to try and win a game on the road, we know that they've done it. We know that Giannis is there. But if they somehow managed to fumble this game six, given the performance that Giannis would have put in, how much did he have in in the tank? COVID was very under the radar, sweeping through the, the locker room, the staff. People didn't really know the extent of of what the damage was there and who would have maybe even been available to play in Game 7. So things would have dramatically changed. So even though you're excited about Game 5, it's like this really is Game 7 right now and the Bucs can't afford to waste this opportunity. And I want to keep talking about that uh, after Built Bar because I, I built, honestly, built bars, one of the only ways I got through this playoff run. I was lacking energy. I was exhausted. I was drained from my couch in Melbourne, Australia. But uh, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like fluffy, it's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling, Camille. They are good for you, which is uh, also an excellent bonus when you're spending days on end watching basketball on the couch. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, uh, and they all taste delicious. Now, Frank has bemoaned this fact. Built Bar, one of the great things about Built Bar is that all the flavors are delicious. One of the unfortunate things is that these flavors don't stick around because they're rotating through as often as they are. So you better hurry up. If you want to get the coconut brownie chunk puff, because uh, it will be gone. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Camille, I know you're an NFL fan, uh, but which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, so a couple of days ago, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available from July 18th, a couple of days ago, so you can go back and listen to a couple episodes if you missed them. Locked On NFL, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and also on YouTube, you can find that special uh, event they're doing there, and NFL isn't too far away. All right, so as I built all that up and said that this was essentially game seven for the Bucs, but it was game six. So the Bucs come out in the first quarter and they're dominant. And they take a 13-point lead into the first break at the end of the first quarter. So part of me, and I'm always like this with any sport that I watch, if there's a team that I you know, support or want to win, let's just say. So I'm all of a sudden like, well, I, I want to feel like this is going to be easy but i know better than that 
Next thing, the Bucks, and this is something that I had to watch back the game. They were losing at halftime and scores were level through three quarters. So I, I don't know how recently you've gone back and watched this game, Camille. I don't know if you can vividly recall your feelings, but all I can say is through through three quarters, there was certainly a part of me who's, you know, in my case, watched the Bucks for 20 years. Basically, I've not missed a game for 20 years. I'm like, they're not. They're, this is a loss. I couldn't help it. And honestly, I, again, when you're when you've been a Bucks fan for so long, I, I can't fault you. Like we, I remember the 2019 season where it's like, okay, this is it, and we get to Toronto, we're up 2-0, and then we lose the next four, and it's like, didn't see how this really unfolded this way. Like things just changed drastically, and, and now now we're out. And I could definitely see if you were watching Game Six and you after that second quarter. I went through my time hop, which, you know, combines all of your social media. It's like a memory bank thing. So I was able to, like, actually see my tweets during the game. And mm-hmm. I just tweeted, like, 31-13 quarter in the Suns' favor. We got to be way better than that. And it's like, okay, we're only down by five going into the half. And then, like, just trying to talk it up and tweeting a lot of, carry us, Giannis. K- keep carrying us. Carry us. We need it. Carry us, please. Um and then by the time we get to the, it got to the fourth quarter, it was just I tweeted out very simply: win the fourth quarter, win the title. Like let's let's get this done. Like let's go and do it. And that's a fact, they, but it's a terrifying fact, Camille. <laughs> <laughs> and they they did it. They did it. Um, again, Giannis was amazing. Watching the highlights from his fifty point performance like still gives me chills. And I mean these. <laughs> It was just an amazing performance. And by the time I realized, like, okay, we're actually about to do this, it was just kind of like Bucks and Six actually came <laughs> into mm. fruition after all of these years. And honestly, it was a feeling of after game five when we finally won in Phoenix, which I believe was our first time winning in Phoenix since, like, 2017. I was like, okay, that's something we have not done in a very long time. And I remember on our podcast, Tim – uh, if you listen to Technical File, Tim is somebody with uh, unbridled enthusiasm. He is extremely optimistic and he believes what he says and he says it with his whole chest. So he was screaming like, if we think this team is so different, like you have to believe like it's different, it's a different year, different team. We're going to do it. We're going to send them home after game six. And I kept being like, whoa, buddy, like chill out. So when it was actually starting to unfold that way, um, I heard him like in my head screaming. And then when I actually got to see him, the screaming actually it matched what I thought he was going to be saying. But yeah, game six really felt like a must win because the idea of winning again in Phoenix after getting our first win there in like four or five years was, that was a lot in itself. And again, thinking about Giannis's knee, um, he was favoring it like early on in the series. I was like, he was trying not to make it seem like he was favoring his knee. So I was also hoping like for the sake of his health, that we could close that out in the sixth game um, so that the, it could just be, it could be over because the, the way that Giannis was playing and giving it his all, <laughs> who, who knows what could have happened uh, if that series would have continued. And, and that's the the crazy thing that, and, and this is why moving forward and we can get into it a little bit later, but there's so much talk about, well, what are the bucks done? How can they contend? Well, we've all seen there. We've all sat there and we've seen Giannis, and they lent on him. It was the end of the series. He'd had incredible performances from Drew. You'd had, obviously, incredible performances from Chris Wright throughout the postseason, but mm-hmm. earlier in the finals as well. And Giannis was great. If you go back to the Game 7 against Brooklyn, all these different things. But throughout the playoffs, in terms of who was the guy that continuously stepped up, 
when the Bucks were either completely backs against the wall, whether it was down 2-0 or in those critical games, it was always Chris Milton. And then ultimately it came down to game six and Giannis was just like, all right, well, I'm just not, you guys aren't necessarily going to have the most dominant games and no one else really did. There was big contributors. Bobby Portis was incredible in this game six, but Giannis, it's not just the 50, 50 points, obviously the free throw shooting, which again, to me, in terms of mental strength, mental toughness is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in any across any sport. But he also added casual 14 rebounds and five blocks. And the five blocks is something that, you know, in any game, five blocks is a miraculous feat. But when you consider what he was uh, physically exerting on the offensive end to do it defensively and rack up five blocks as well, I don't know. I haven't seen every finals in the history of the NBA, but uh, it's hard for me to imagine a more incredible performance for all the different reasons, the injury, everything included, the history, the pressure, uh, and also just the pressure he puts on himself in the history of the game. It's just, I can't, I can't possibly imagine it because watching it was, I, I was exhausted watching him push himself to the limits. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think I mentioned earlier to start the show, it's, it's one of the most dominant finals performances I've ever seen. I honestly think I would probably rank it number one. The only one that comes to mind behind it is like Shaq in 2000, like 2000 Shaq on the Lakers was a completely different monster. But <laughs> considering that Giannis was playing through that knee injury on top of that um, is what always etches his performance above Shaq's to me in my book. And I mean, he brought it on both ends of the floor. Like you mentioned the blocks, the energy, like every block that he had, it sounded like Pfizer forum was going to like rip the roof off. Like it was just, the excitement was palpable. It was, it was amazing to see. And it made me pull up the box score too, because on the sun side, I remember going into it and thinking like, Oh my God, I hope Devin Booker doesn't, you know, have another outstanding game because Devin Booker had like two 40 point games in a row. Uh, they lost both of those games, but Devin Booker was, you know, in his bag and, Chris Paul was looking like he was starting to slow down a little bit, but you can never really count out Chris Paul. Um, so when game six happened and to see how the defense of the Bucks was able to bother Devin Booker so much, I was, I was, I was so happy. Like we talk about the offensive performance for sure, but the Bucks did some great work defensively uh, to bother him into going 0 for 7 from 3, 8 from 22 from the field. Chris Paul had like three turnovers. Devin Booker had six turnovers. Like, as we've mentioned before, like the Bucks defense was the key throughout their playoff and championship run. Defense leads to offense for the Bucks. And they definitely ran off of that in game six. And five serve again. Milwaukee did an excellent job throughout that game, cheering them on. Yeah, look, it's not gonna surprise anyone, uh, or you, Camille, but Six for twenty-seven from three. The Bucks were so that's a that's a, that's a solid twenty-two percent. They scored one hundred and five points total, and they needed fifty from Giannis, and they didn't get much else. The defense was absolutely elite. The defense was elite throughout the entire postseason, and quite frankly, it was elite through this year's postseason as well. And they put up similar offensive performances, except they didn't even have Chris Middleton. So that's why you know if you're the Bucks, you obviously feel confident about what you've got. In a couple of days after, uh, for you, did you go to parade? What What do you remember? 
Yeah, uh, I remember very distinctively when game six, like the day of game six, I remember going into work and saying, if the Bucks win, I am not coming to work tomorrow. You can count the PTO day right now. Anyone, it's not going to happen. I, at least I, I work with people who understood. They were like, we, we figured you would be taking off if the Bucks won. And I think I took off like the rest of that. Like I was like celebrating. <laughs> um, and we definitely did. I go to, went to the parade and um, I remember just – see how many people it was one I had a moment of like panic because it was like the first time I was around so many people after all the COVID stuff and I was in like the crowd and I was okay it's a little bit too it's too many people actually around me right now um so I have to go so I was there while they were driving through and I was just you know perched somewhere watching and I walked over to the stage when they were about to start giving the speeches but I felt like it was too crowded. So at that point yeah. I went back to my car, pulled up my phone <laughs> and watched the stream because my husband was down there. We had some other friends and I was like, I don't want you guys to have to like leave because I'm having a moment. So I watched it from my phone, got to laugh at, at PJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, somebody's feeling a certain way when uh, they walk up to a microphone and they just kind of have their head down and have to think when they're asked, how are you feeling? Like PJ was enjoying himself thoroughly throughout that parade. But the things I remember the most is just how excited everyone was and the love that people have for seeing old bucks. So like when Michael Red came by and Brandon Jennings came by, like the crowd was geeked as if they just won. They were on the court winning the championship as well. And seeing Marcus Johnson and the Nassas in his own little car. Cause he had, his, mm. you know, his COVID, his COVID car. Um, well, yeah, which, is, was, which is so funny, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and he's you know he's turned up by himself, and it's real the NASA's energy. It was, I mean, it was it was one of those things where it was just kind of like, wow, I can't believe that this is actually happening in this moment. Like to see the videos afterwards, like oh my god, like they're just driving down Wisconsin. Like this is a street that I walk, you know, around often. I'm here all the time, and to see it like nationally shown with all of these people out cheering and celebrating. Um, I love Milwaukee. So to see situations where Milwaukee looks good, like it was, it was a moment of like, yeah, that's, that's my city. Like we, we came out, we showed up and we celebrated this team the way they should be. And by the way, you reminded me of the parade and all the people and how everyone was excited. And also just the, the general roller coaster of, well, it's over. All right, we're back in it. All right, we'll get a chance. All right, it's over again. Okay. <laughs> we, and yeah, Giannis is back in the finals, but now they're down 2 0. So it's over again. But they made it to the finals. So you start talking yourself into, should I be happy that the Bucks made the finals? This is kind of still historic. But it's it's so, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me, and this is why, and people definitely get annoyed when I say stuff like this, but it's just the facts. If you if you go back and, and think about that entire postseason series and even all the little things, like I even think game one against Miami, you know, if Chris isn't able to hit that game winner, like, I don't really care what any of the players say. Like, it would be very, very difficult to... That was a, that was a mental challenge for the Bucs to mm-hmm. get over Miami. Now, they took it head on, and that ended up probably being beneficial for this team. But game one was a dogfight, and they needed sure. to go to overtime. It was an awful game of basketball, two defensive teams. Chris is able to bail them out. And then they, and it was almost like, well, what happens if they had lost that game? All of a sudden, then they find themselves in a fight in the first round. So that was a battle. You're down 2 0 against Brooklyn. You need a little bit of luck. They got a bit of luck. Certainly, injury, um, uh, injury sort of health stuff I'm talking about for sure. And then, you know, Giannis goes down. So it's just, I, I think sometimes 
yeah, we look and, and fans get frustrated. And maybe it is just because like I've watched this team stink for so long. <laughs> but winning a title is bloody hard. Yeah. And no one outside of you know, probably the Golden State team when you know they had Durant and Curry and all these guys, and it's like, okay, they really should just go through and win the title. Or maybe LeBron when he's in his prime and he's playing with D Wade and Chris Bosch. Yeah, they should probably go to the NBA finals, but they didn't even win the title every single year. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really, really bloody hard to win an NBA championship. And going back and watching these games just reminds you of that. And that's why you know, when I look forward, I'm like, gee, I really hope the Bucks win a title. And they've got this generational player. You hope there's more titles in the bank to come. But there's no guarantee. And we saw that last year. You need a hell of a lot of luck as well. Uh, but as long as they do have Giannis in their prime, I think that there'll be a chance. But it's a long road. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I think of somebody like like Dirk. And Dirk put in you know his whole career down there in Dallas and won championship. Not for a lack of trying, not for a lack of, you know, being there at certain times. And but good teams. Exactly. Things have to break your way in addition to your team being healthy and playing together at the right time. So I think with the realization of that, and again, as a Packers fan, it kind of helped me because right. after we won a championship in 2010, I'm thinking we got a young quarterback. We're going to be back. It's, you know, it's about to be a dynasty. We're the new Patriots, so on and so forth. And haven't been back since. And with that understanding of like, this does not come easy. Like nothing is guaranteed here. Anything can happen. Seeing the Bucks win a championship was like, oh my God, like we finally got one. Like the monkey's off the back right now, which is I think why this past season watching, it was probably like the least stressed I've been watching the Bucks because I was kind of like, we yeah. just won a championship. Like as, as long as people stay healthy, I like our chances. Let's see what happens. And, of course, we had the Chris Middleton injury. We don't need to belabor that point. We've talked about it many times. And, again, just being like, well, Boston's, you know, healthier. Their role players showed up more than Milwaukee's role players did, and they won that series. So, hey, maybe next year. And it's the understanding, like, we might not get that again, but uh, understanding what it takes to get there and me being grateful to be in that conversation because I understand that, just because you have the most talented roster or you have the best player in the world, it's not a guarantee that you're going to win it because so many different things can happen outside of your their control. And you got to play the games. You just got to play the games and try to position yourself in the best way possible to win that championship. And looking at this game, six box scores, there's something else that stands out to me. And, and naturally, we do this show every day. So we're going to talk about every player on the roster and we're going to get excited about role players. And, but if you do go back and watch when the games really matter in the postseason, and we even saw it to kind of a lesser extent this year because, as you pointed to, I think that there was a point where Bud's just really searching for something because he understands that you're undermanned outside of Giannis, who, again, was ridiculous in this postseason. I spoke about it the other day, 32, 14, 7, whatever he averaged. It's just absolutely absurd. But the game six box score, so you look at it, and there's seven guys that have played. Like, only seven guys have played. And ultimately, as much as people want to talk about the 10th to 15th player on the roster, they're not going to matter if you get to yeah. the NBA Finals. They're just not, as long as you're healthy. And it's always good to have depth, and it's good to have these guys that might play in case. But this is what we talk about with Serge Barker. Do we think that he's playing in the NBA Finals next year? I mean, you know, if something goes wrong, yes. But certainly that's not plan A. You wouldn't think so. But the guys that won a championship literally only 12 months ago, 
It was Drew, it was Giannis, it was Chris, it was Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, and Bobby Portis. PJ Tucker was man number seven. PJ Tucker is not there. Uh, DiVincenzo was the guy that was injured at the time. You've got Grayson mm-hmm. Allen. Is Marjan Bochamp someone that plays in the playoffs as a rookie? That's a big ask. Maybe. Is Joe Ingles a guy that gets healthy and plays in that rotation? Maybe. The point being that it was only 12 months ago. The same yeah, guys and- are all there. <laughs> The same guys are all there from literally only one year ago. And that's kind of rare, becoming more and more rare in this NBA where you're you're seeing that level of consistency. And I remember in game six, it was funny because leading up to that, I kept saying like Pat Connaughton has been playing like the perfect role player throughout the finals. And game six, he had a stinker. And it was like, well, it was bound that like it happened at some yeah. point, but thankfully, like it happened during a time where Giannis was, you know, just absolutely zero amazing. points, but eight very important rebounds, Camille. Two very important offensive rebounds. <laughs> hey, there's always ways to contribute. There are always ways to contribute, and Pat always finds one, which again is part of why I feel like he's one, like he's a perfect role player. Like Pat comes in and he'll do whatever he can to try to change the outcome of the game, and. Yeah, him and him and Bobby really did their thing. And Jeff T came in for, you know, two little minutes. And I'm glad we don't have to deal with any Jeff Teague minutes anymore. <laughs> yeah, poor old Pat, as I uh, look at the box score, poor old Pat was minus 21 in his 22 minutes. It didn't go well for him. And those, that's not to say it's his fault, but the different lineup combinations I had. And yeah, uh, old Jeffy T, minus five in his minute and a half. So <laughs> he's always going to be a Milwaukee champion, Jeff T. Yes. There's no doubt about yes. that. Uh, one other stat, as we mentioned, PJ Tucker, and and we know that. And I, I saw someone tweet this today. I, I apologies if the person who tweeted this is listening. I don't have it up in front of me, but it stuck with me, and I just realized as I'm looking at the box score here. So, yeah, we talk about PJ, and again, I've said this. Yeah, he goes to Philadelphia now. I don't necessarily think the contract makes a lot of sense, but hey, I'm very happy for him because again, this is a guy that even though he's played for a rival in the Heat, now he's playing for a rival in the Sixers. I think Bucks fans will always love this man, uh, but this game six. Box score, you talk about the defense on Devin Booker, which he spent significant time on him. I know Drew was playing a big role there as well. Uh, but he played 36 minutes, 36 and a half minutes. Didn't score, naturally. <laughs> In fact, he only took one shot, which is which was a three, which I would have to go back, but I assume it was a corner three that he missed. Team high, plus 13 in his, in his 36 minutes. So that's uh, the ultimate PJ game, and he had an impact... There's no question that he had an impact uh, without scoring and despite taking only one shot. And again, you think through some of the different things, him getting right in KD's face in game three when the Bucks, the season is right on the brink of being over. Uh, so many moments with PJ Tucker as well. But I kind of love that box score because it, it just makes sense. It does. It really does. And uh, PJ also came here. He, hey, we're dogs. He, they already were dogs in that locker room. And he just had to teach them how to be dogs. So... Uh, that 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 phrase and the we dogs. I mean, the whole run was just fun. Like as soon as we got PJ, and it was like it took two DJs to get a PJ. Like I'm here for this. Like yeah, what a great trade. So yeah, uh, PJ. I feel like it's always going to be loved in the city of Milwaukee. Even though he after leaving, he's gone to play for two teams that Milwaukee fans do not like uh, a lot. Like Miami and and Philly are, are two teams that a lot of Bucks fans have some beef with, which again understandable. Uh, but yet, and still, PJ is going to be loved here. I feel like, regardless of him playing for Miami afterwards and, and Philly, of course, assuming like nothing dirty happens uh, with him against Milwaukee. But yeah, PJ is PJ is stamped in Milwaukee. 
People will never forget PJ, but also they will turn on him quickly if they need to. And we saw some certainly some physicality when he was playing for Miami, Miami directed towards Giannis. And it did make me think, watching those games, those Bucks Heat games last year, I can see why, because it was just one-off games. I can see why if you're Devin Booker or you're Chris Paul or you're Kevin Durant, you're just like, I can't deal with this for seven games. This guy is completely mental. And... <laughs> Yeah, he did it to Giannis, and I'm sure if the Bucks and the Sixers play next year, Bucks fans will have an absolute gut full of PJ Tucker. But uh, as we said with all these guys, uh, champs in Milwaukee. Any final thoughts about this whole day, situation, year? Anything that sticks with you? Um, just how fun it was. Uh, I actually did forget in the the post game pod we had for Tech File for Game Six. I was mentioning uh, I didn't call out anybody by name. But I called out some thoughts that were pre- like going around Bucks Twitter throughout the season oh, that bothered yeah. me, and like to, trade, to be able to Brooke, come back. It was Trade Brook Lopez, one of them. Trade, trade Chris Brooke Milton, Lopez, Trade Chris. Uh, there were some people after the Atlanta series talking about we shouldn't play Giannis and Giannis being off the court unlocked Drew Holiday to be better. And I remember Lock just it. being like, that is the dumbest. How how can you say we we don't need Giannis on this team? And the people throughout the ride, you know, after you're down 0-2 and it's like, whoop, it's over. These are the same old bucks we, we've always seen. So to be able to kind of have that moment of like, same old bucks, huh? Like, nope, nope, not this year. Like, we're champions. We are world champions, and you cannot take that away. All of those takes that I was arguing against, <laughs> like, we, we we won. Like, those those takes, didn't they didn't hold up. They didn't hold up. And all the players who people had beef with, Brooke, uh, Chris, even Pat, all these players showed up throughout the playoff run and there's no way the Bucks won a championship without their contributions as well. So it was, it was just kind of fun to be able to have that moment of like, yeah, Brooke, like, yeah, Brooke. Yeah. Chris, like I see you guys like, yeah, Pat way to play into that contract. Like it, it was good. Like it was just a moment of like, I, I really love this team and being able to see their, their joy and take part of that was, was super cool. And I will never forget that. I will never forget that feeling. I was listening to a podcast earlier today and I was with someone who does talkback radio in New York. So you can imagine you get, <laughs> you get some calls and, you know, he's, his theory was that, you know, fans will never be satisfied. I'm not, I'm not talking about all fans, but we can sit here and we can talk about this and say, man, we're so appreciative of all these players, the journey they had to get there. Though we still saw it last year, the Bucks just won a title and it was still like, trade this guy, he can't be trusted. And it's like, okay, literally three months ago he won a title or you know, you get people saying, well, this team's trading for this guy, this team's trading for this guy. And it's like, yeah, what did the Bucks do? Oh, they just brought back all their guys that won a title 12 months ago. You know, like, a lot of, some people can't be pleased is all I'm, I'm saying, Camille. I think the Bucks are a great shot. And hopefully... Uh, next year, we're talking about the same thing. So we get a chance to have uh, a little bit of a longer playoff run than we did this year. It was cut a little bit short for my liking. So hopefully uh, next year we'll be back. Uh, we went. But it was a hell of a lot of fun. I'm sure a lot of people were uh, watching Game 6 tonight. I know there was a bunch of different yeah. you know, watch parties and stuff. Our friend Dan Schaefer obviously had his. Hopefully some Locked On Bucks listeners went and uh, listened to that. And there's different Bucks podcasts doing similar things to what we've done. So I'm sure it was a fun day. Uh, for everyone and uh, people will probably carry on through the weekend enjoying this as well the anniversary of the parade there'll be more social media content i'm sure and plenty of pj tucker stuff so it's going to be a lot of fun check out the locked on nba podcast as well there's still news going on around the nba a lot of it lakers 
related. And uh, that's a never-ending cycle. Our poor friend, Darvin Ham. Oh. Hopefully, hopefully he's doing well over there. I'm sure he's still pretty excited about the job he's got. But uh, listen to Locked On NBA after you're done with Locked On Bucks. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Trying to set up some stuff for next week as well. A few guests here. This will be our last week of five days a week. Then we'll cut back to three. I'll have a couple of days off for the for August at least. And then the season will be back, uh, which will be good fun. So we'll leave it there, Camille. You never know what you got to talk about. And here we are 35 minutes later. So <laughs> we never fail. Never. We'll speak to all you guys tomorrow.